0: This program's about the impossible. There's a good chance that you believe in the impossible. In 1967, Dr. George Wald won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Dr. Wald said, When it comes to the origin of life, there are two possibilities, creation or spontaneous generation. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago. But that led us to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. This Nobel Prize-winning scientist rejected the science that God had to be the creator of life. The only possible explanation for you. Me, I'm a Christian because I don't believe in the impossible. Stay tuned and let's explore the universe as it really is. I'm Paul and this is C-Y-K-I-A-E. I'm looking into the market for buying babies, but first I'm covering off what happens when a man and a woman who are married, preferably, or are living together, have children. In the first part of this series, I looked at the incredible things that the body does to prepare the baby's biological parents for what's coming. In this program, I'm looking at what happens after the child has arrived, the role that the biological parents play in the lives of their children. Equally amazing. So the babies come home, possibly for the rest of your life. That's called entitled dependence, or hopefully a lot less. I'm just going to stick to the formative years, though, in this program. And I have to tell you that mummies and daddies behave differently with their baby, each making an enormously important contribution to what success a child will have in its entire life. If the child's missing one or other of its biological parents, it's most likely going to have some problems later in life, which are most likely going to be quite serious. Soon after birth, a baby can tell the difference between its mum and its dad. Within weeks of being born, a baby can see and smell the difference between its mother and father, and it can hear and feel the differences too. Dad has a deeper voice, Mum has softer hands and talks in a different way. Even in the dark of night a baby knows which parent is bending over its cot. It's not uncommon for a father to feel jealous that his baby wants his mother more than his father. The mother herself sometimes prefers the baby to her husband or male well, partner. Fathers, in the very early days with the new baby, can't match the biological force of the love bond between mum and baby. The baby is initially more bonded with the parent who has the milk-filled breasts, and the intense, pleasurable sensations of breastfeeding reinforce the mother's bond with her baby. There's also those long months that the baby spent in its mummy's tummy. Tuning in to her rhythm of life, her comforting heartbeat and smells... Scientists believe that the emotion and communication centers in the baby's brain learn to relate differently to its mother and father. This doesn't become obvious to the parents until the baby is about three months old, when it begins spending less time sleeping and more time interacting. When a baby reaches this stage, dad will move up and begin to play a starring role in the baby's life. By the time the baby is six months old the baby will often love the stimulating games that dad plays with it. When dad kisses the baby's belly and blows loudly against its skin, tickling the baby, well, then dad and the baby were in their own private world. Research shows that dads behave differently with their babies, not only when the mums are away, but also when the mums aren't watching. And infants notice the difference too. One study showed that when mum dad and the baby are all together, there were fewer interactions between dad and the baby. But when fathers are alone with their babies, their playtime is much more spontaneous. For this spontaneity to happen, the father has to spend time with his baby. Researchers at the Ohio State University found evidence that fathers' beliefs about how involved they should be in childcare didn't matter. It was mothers who were in the driver's seat. They discovered that mothers are the gatekeepers for the father's access to their children. Mothers can either be very encouraging to fathers or not. Some mothers are critical of the dad. Researchers have found that mothers who are the least critical of their husbands or partners and encourage the father's interactions with the child fare best when it comes to the couple staying together. The strongest way of staying together, no contest, is to be married. At 12 months, a baby boy can be climbing all over its dad as if it was on a playground, wrestling with him even at this age. A baby boy loves to test his skills with his dad. They love to be swung high into the air by their father. Father and son are constantly playfully challenging each other at every turn. Researchers have shown that the particular way that fathers play with their children makes their children more curious. It improves their ability to learn. Compared with mothers, fathers' play is more physical and boisterous. The researchers found that a father's play is more creative, more unpredictable, and more stimulating to a baby than the mothers. A father's creativity shows not only while they're playing with the baby, but also while they're talking and singing to their children. Researchers at the University of Toronto found that mothers sang the correct versions of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or Itsy Bitsy Spider. The fathers altered the verses, creating complex songs with unpredictable endings. The fathers were more quirky and fun. And that's not the only difference. In another study in Germany, scientists followed a group of children for 15 years. They first began observing the fathers interacting with their children at two years of age. They found that the children whose fathers played roughly with them were the most self-confident by the time they reached adolescence. Physical and verbal teasing is the way dads connect with their kids. Dr. Brizendine in her book, The Male Brain, gives this example of the way that fathers interact with their children and that mums don't. Michelle wasn't thrilled when, thanks to Tim, five-year-old Blake's favourite phrase had become, you're a poo-poo head, which he would say often while vigorously pointing to his rear end. But for Blake and Tim, it was just part of their fun. Dads use teasing with sons and daughters, but their daughters usually don't like it as much as their sons. Daughters will soon try to divert dad and give him a part in the role-playing games that girls prefer. And most dads are usually willing to go along with whatever role their little girls give them. Boys, on the other hand, love the teasing games and will actively egg dad on, trying almost anything to get his goat Researchers have found that this kind of father-child play improves children's ability to guess what's on another person's mind and to recognize mental tricks and deceits. And for sons, this playful teasing with dad establishes the foundation for building close connections with other males later in life. Again, Dr. Brizendine says, By the time Blake was six, he and Tim could banter mock insults for longer than Michelle could stand to listen. To mothers, fathers can often sound too harsh with their children. And to fathers, mothers can sound too soft. Researchers have found that fathers give their children more direct orders than mothers do. Mothers stay emotionally in tune with their children more. That means they don't have to give as many direct orders. Mothers use shorter sentences and match their children's tone of voice more than fathers do. This difference is neither better nor worse. Researchers believe that the way fathers talk to their children provides an important bridge to communicating in the real world. In the real world, children quickly find out that other children slash adults can't read their minds or anticipate their every need the way their mother does. The children learn that if they have a father from the father. Discipline is typically in another area where the male and the female parents differ in style. The male thinks it's his duty to guide his child's development by using firm rules and strict corrections. Researchers have found that fathers in cultures around the world believe it's their job to make their children, especially sons, toe the line. Of course, fathers must walk a fine line between overly harsh punishment, which creates fear, distrust, and a desire for revenge and just right discipline. And even though some modern parenting styles endorse the laid-back father as more likely to be a good dad than the high testosterone macho man, but biological research suggests that the opposite may be true. The non-believers spend a lot of time preaching that we're just animals, but everything else they do and say is the opposite about how special humans are. Male parents across the animal kingdom are typically more strict than female parents and more aggressive in handling their offspring. Although we don't think of aggressive males as being better dads, for some fathers, like rat dads, I mean real dirty filthy rats being a good dad requires being rough and ready. A rat dad must be aggressive and forcefully grab and retrieve runaway pups. If he doesn't, they'll die. As with human dads, the rat dads' paternal brain circuits are fueled by the hormones testosterone and vasopressin. The researchers discovered that the most aggressive rat dads had the highest levels of these hormones. Interestingly, they also found that the most aggressive male pups grew up not only to have the highest testosterone, but they also made better, more protective dads. Good dads can be both aggressively playful and aggressively protective. When children are raised by their mother and father, they benefit from having one parent in their home who represents what their own adulthood will look like. Wise, connected fathers teach their sons to appreciate being a boy by including them in their work and play, whether fixing the car or studying astrology, even when their interests diverge. Dad plays a major role in helping his son embrace his maleness and look forward to manhood by teaching him that being a man is cool. He builds his son's self-confidence by identifying with him through doing. This desperately important connection teaches boys that there are many ways to be a man because maleness is rooted in physiology, not interests. It also sends the invaluable messages, you are like me and you belong with me, which are essential building blocks to a boy's foundation that can be laid only by his father. According to researchers in Sweden, active discipline from fathers can be a key factor in children's success. In the study, children of dads who were active disciplinarians, meaning that they were strict, not that they beat their children, achieved better grades and went further in school than children of dads who were not disciplinarians. The sons of dads who were disciplinarians had fewer behavioral problems and their daughters had fewer emotional problems. Research also shows that when a little girl has a close relationship with her dad, it sets the stage for getting along better with men later in life. Daughters are notorious for wrapping daddies around their little fingers. A study in Wisconsin reported that fathers feel closest to their daughters when they're doing something to help them. This holds true whether the daughter is four or 44. Dads bond with their daughters by helping to solve their problems and fix things which are broken, whether it's their dolls or their financial portfolios. Fathers also bond with their sons by helping them, but research shows that this help often centers on making the boy stronger and tougher. Studies show that dads feel it's their responsibility to toughen their sons up to be able to survive as a man in the real world. This sometimes leads them to inhibit displays of affection in favor of rougher handling. Even so, researchers find that not only do fathers identify with their sons, but sons look up to their dads as role models of what they're supposed to act like when they grow up. In a later program, I'll talk about the problems that come from families with just a single mum. Many feminists complain about toxic masculinity. But very often it is coming from boys in these single mum families. Their male role model without their biological dad can be a gang leader or today's all-pervasive pornography. And what they learn from that about how to treat women is toxic masculinity. Likewise, girls thrive when they see how a woman's unique abilities bring important, distinct values to their home, community and workplace. Girls learn to embrace their womanhood when they observe their mothers aren't required to act like men in order to be successful or influence the world. Having one male and one female parent gives children crucial exposure to the opposite sex. The opposite sex parent provides a safe way. To learn how to interact with the other half of humanity, and an up-close and personal example of how men and women relate to each other. The mother-son dynamic prepares a boy to live in a world where women will make up half of his community classroom and workplace. What better way to train men to be sensitive to the needs of women in their life than to have connected mums guiding and shaping them from birth to graduation? Ideally, kids witness their father cherish and adore, respect and protect their mother. and Both boys and girls will emerge from adolescence knowing these attributes represent true masculinity. Daughters learn how men should treat them by observing how their father loves their mother. Optimally, this means they learn they are worthy of a husband who cherishes and respects them the same way their father does their mother. Girls who have this type of father come of age with confidence when it comes to interacting with men and are also less likely to be taken advantage of by male predators. The credit for lower teen pregnancy rates also goes to invested fathers, in part because the daughters have learned, by observation, how to suss out a good man. More importantly, a father satisfies a girl's innate longing for distinctively male love. Thus her drive to seek a substitute elsewhere has been curbed. The mostly fatherless young girls that fell victim to Epstein are living examples of this. The same for many of the women who were preyed on in the Me Too era who were fatherless. Further, the simple presence of an engaged father protects the daughter from predatory males. Predators look for easy targets and no engaged fathers can spot their type on sight. A healthy marital bond gives our children a living example of the type of person they should strive to become and the type of person they should seek out in a potential life partner. Fathers know that it's their job to initiate their sons into the perilous world where boys become men. Luwin Brissendine, psychiatrist in her book The Male Brain, follows the family that much of the chapter on children from baby to young children was centered on, a guy named Tim. She gives this example of Tim's relationship with his son Blake. Tim's father was a hands-off kind of dad, and this was a role model Tim had decided not to follow. Although the traditional emotional structuring of the father-son relationship hinges on the authority of the father, Tim was determined to make his relationship with Blake about more than discipline. So far, he was succeeding. He played with Blake every day, gave him lots of hugs, and praised his accomplishments. On the other hand, Tim knew that Cuddling his son would work to Blake's disadvantage, so he helped him to make right choices and made him do as much for himself as possible. When Tim took Blake hiking, Blake carried his own backpack and water, just like Dad. Tim was proud that Blake wanted to imitate him, and he was determined to set a good example in every possible way. When Tim and Blake played Follow the Leader, Tim took turns leading and following so Blake could learn both roles as well. And when he and Blake wrestled, he let Blake pin him at least once in every three matches. He also let Blake win other contests like their father-son races and video games. Studies have shown that insecure fathers are unable to let their sons beat them at any game, even when the sons are very young. Lewin Brizendine goes on to tell us that Tim was what researchers call a high-nurturing parent. Studies show that this type of parenting style is healthier for kids throughout life. The brain effects of high-nurturing and low-nurturing parents on college-aged kids' brains showed that those who'd had low parental care in childhood ended up with hyperactive brain responses to stress, according to researchers, And these young adults released more of the stress hormone cortisol than peers who had had high parental care in childhood. And it's not just kids' brains that benefit from close physical contact. Releases oxytocin and pleasure hormones in dads too. Bonding parent to child. Luen Brissenden continues, One of Tim's favourite times with Blake was at the end of the day after bath time, when he'd read story after story next to him in his little bed. Tim told me he especially loved it when Blake snuggled against him as he fell asleep. The more a man holds and cares for his child, the more connections his brain makes for paternal behavior. Tim's male brain had entered a new emotional reality. The oxytocin had helped his softer side to blossom, as it would throughout his manhood. The more both women and men know about how the daddy brain is formed, the more hope we have of turning our parenting partnerships into satisfying and supportive relationships and families. And this is just what the daddy brain needs to be at its best. The research market makes it clear beyond argument that children thrive best living in a household with both of their biological parents. Nothing compares to this. For longevity, the relationship that offers the best outcome, once more, is marriage. That's the way to go. As psychologist Jordan Peterson said, living together is a commitment not to commit. Almost invariably, after about five years or so, the relationship breaks up. Not good for the parents, perhaps, but a complete disaster for the children. Again, there is no argument. Stepdads, stepmums, live-in boyfriends, girlfriends, will hardly ever cut it. The rule for parenting is simple. Men cannot mother, women cannot father, and kids require both. Before I get to buying babies, there's one more category of children who are available that I do need to talk about. And the best option before buying a baby is adopting a child in need of someone to love it. If that's a possibility. But that's for my next program. Thanks for listening into this program, CYK IAE. If you missed it, you can catch up with it as a podcast on my CYK IAE, Spotify, Apple, Google, and many other podcast sites. Just look at my program details on CANS FM eighty-nine point one for clickable links. I'm Paul, don't miss my next program because you're going to love it. I want to thank my ghostwriter, without whom this program would definitely not have been possible, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could catch up with me at my church, the GAFCON Northern Hope Anglican Church at the Cairns and District Junior Stedford Hall, 67 Greenslopes Street, Edge Hill, some Sunday at 9am. If you liked this program, you should definitely listen in to my other explosive program, The Danger Zone. Also available as a podcast on those same sites. Search Danger Zone, bracket DZ, close brackets.